welcome to Feel, Pray, Love, a podcast devoted to bravely looking beneath the surface of ourselves and the world around us. This is a place where emotions are valued messengers, where life never happens on accident, and where every single part of you is welcomed. Thank you for being exactly who you are and for showing up here today. My name is Nikki Sunshine. beautiful, brave, magnificent souls, creatures, and creatresses of the earth. Welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. I feel you. I honor you. I bow to you for taking this little bit of time on this day to say yes to yourself, to say yes to your growth and healing journey. I recognize you and most of all, I love you. I love you, my my family, my brothers and sisters from across the globe. (sighs) Today's a very special day and I will go more into why that is in the bulk of this week's episode. So hang tight for just a few. Um, before we go into the rich, juicy depth that we always do, my friends, um, I'd like to start with, let's see if there are any announcements. (laughs) One announcement comes to mind. Um, As many of you know, that this show has been my offering to the world my gift, my um, offering of love to all of you for over two years now. And um, I've never monetized the podcast or really even attempted to monetize the podcast because it's just this pure channel of love where I get to share the delicious bits of wisdom that God, the universe, our earth is so gracefully shared with me. And I hope to keep doing that. Um, With that being said, I now have this incredible team of women that you all heard me um, gratify and appreciate last week. And they really keep this show going. Um, I'm at a point in my life and my own personal boundaries and my space where I no longer am the one to record and then re-listen and edit and produce and share the episodes. Uh, Instead, I have an incredible team of women who do that for me. So with that being said, uh, as you know, if you listened to last week's transmission, I will soon be leaving my beautiful home in Bali to go on a soul adventure to take a leap into the unknown, uh, simply because this is where my guidance is leading me. <sighs> so with that being said, I'm not even bringing my computer to Turkey, which is a, a big deal for me. Um, my computer is sort of my safety net. It's like, well, if I run out of money, I can hop on my computer and, and make something happen, you know, and 
I'm leaving it behind. Um, the reason is twofold. Number one, someone I love dearly who happens to be starting her own business and mission. Uh, my dear partner, Made, Idewa Ayu Made, uh, could greatly benefit from having my computer by her side while she gets this next uh, chapter of her mission and business off the ground. So with that being said, I'm, I'm leaving my computer with her. Uh, the other reason is that I feel deep in my heart that I meant to go on this soul-searching, backpacking, solo adventure for some reason and not having my computer to default to working or trying to put something together is actually going to serve the purpose of this journey. Uh, that's, that's the message I keep receiving. So anyway... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm speaking with one of my angels, Alex, and we're going to, I believe, set up some sort of uh, account. I think maybe we'll make a pod bean, potentially. Still need to do a bit of research, but I just wanted to give you, my devoted community, dear listeners, uh, a little heads up that soon I will be offering some way in which you can support the podcast to keep running. Uh, you can, it will likely be open where you can donate $1 a month, you know, or $50 a month or $6 a month, whatever you want. And uh, it will likely be that uh, those who are signed up on this platform will maybe get an extra bonus chat or two each month um, that I'll produce specifically for this group of incredible beings who are supporting the podcast. Um, yeah, because what I'd, what I'd love to do as I embark on this traveling soul journey is um, set something up where I can feel that my team will always be supported and I will always be able to pay them to produce this podcast uh, as I have been out of my own pocket for the last however many months. So that's coming your way. Keep your ears peeled for more details on that. And... Thank you so much for listening, for being here, for just being a part of the tribe and community. Um, I've been receiving messages from many of you as of late telling me how you've been listening to old, old episodes in the archives and what's been coming through for you and what's been coming up. And man, those messages just really warm my heart and, and they mean a lot to me. So uh, if you're out there and you've been listening and we've never connected, or if we have connected, I invite you to always share with me what's coming through, how you're being served, how you're being challenged from what comes through on these transmissions, these audio transmissions. <laughs> ah, yeah. Yeah, that feels complete for now. I think that's all I have for this week. Just a little heads up. With that being said, um, let's dive on into this week's episode, um, which is all about my dear, dear, dear friend, grief. Oof, yeah. I invite you to notice whatever arises in your body as you hear me even speak the word grief. Is there a tension? Is there a tightening? Is there an opening? 
Is there fear closing? You begin to sweat. Do tears arise in your sweet, sweet eyes? Just noticing your body's response to the word itself. And yes, you did hear me right. That is my dear friend, grief. And I can hear you already. Nikki, why on earth are you calling grief your friend? If I'm grieving, I'm losing something. Grief is a monster. How dare you? <laughs> and I hear you and I understand where you're coming from. And I hope that this next 30, 40 minutes or so will illuminate exactly why it is I refer to grief as my dear, dear friend, my teacher, my lover. <sighs> So as many of you know, longtime listeners or even those who listened to last week's episode know more intimate details of the, the many opportunities for grief I've experienced in my lifetime. And I really consider my experience and my story a true gift for so many reasons and the most pure and deepest reason of all is simply for the experience it's afforded me. Right? It's through the, the cave of the dark-mouthed goddess that I emerge with more light shining through my scars. It is in the darkest hours that I am granted the deepest wisdom. And... This experience, this experience that I'm experiencing on this day and every experience that has come before it has created this multi-dimensional dynamic life journey that has brought me to this precise moment exactly where I am right here, right now. So of course I cannot help but feel grateful. I really can't help it. Does that mean I don't feel sadness? I don't feel pain? Absolutely not. Of course I feel sadness. Of course I feel pain. And as you've heard me mention many times before, pain and joy can and do exist simultaneously. We don't have to choose. We don't have to commit to I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm joyful, I'm this. We can be all things at once, my darling. This is the gift of the feminine. For she's not single focused. She is a dynamic expression of life, of all that is, of energy. And a truly embodied feminine creature is able to move with grace from feelings of deep pain and sadness into moments of joy with ease. There are no rules or constructs that decide what she's able to feel for how long and when, what are the circumstances that are making her feel though that way. None of these questions exist in the mind of the sacred feminine. No, 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 no. She just feels what is there in the moment. <sighs> And that is ever-changing. And the more she, being the sacred feminine within us all, allows herself to go deep into that which is present, the more medicine she has to give and the more medicine she receives. Yeah, 
because the more medicine she receives, the more she has to give. <laughs> so I invite you, my dears, my darlings, my angels, to allow grief, allow pain, allow heartbreak to take you deeper. Allow it to crack you wide the fuck open. Allow it to wash over you and bring you to the depths, to the unknown spaces. Through surrendering to these feelings of pain, of transition, of fear, we open ourselves to the medicine and therefore the grace and the magic of life. <sighs> so I speak to you from a space of experience, of course, in my past and in this present moment uh, on this particular day. As many of you know, I'm already in this space of grieving the ending of this chapter of my life in Bali, this home, this beautiful partnership that has just grown and blossomed over the last almost nine months. I'm letting all of that go to follow my soul on a journey, a journey which begins in Turkey, so it seems. And then this morning, it was such a strange day. I just felt death all around me. I don't know if you ever have those moments where you can just feel death is in the air. You're like, maybe you're on a hike and you see more than one dead animal and maybe people in your life are dying or versions of self are dying and you can just feel that heavy energy of death, which to me is the same energy as transformation because death and life, it's just an alchemy of being. It's just an alchemization of state, right? My soul goes from this state to another state this chapter ends and a new chapter begins death is just alchemy <laughs> so this morning i rose and i uh, early in the morning had a call with my accountant to take care of and settle some of my taxes and um, it's it's you know the timing if i believed in irony i would call it irony but uh, this is the only call we'll have all year. And him and I got on a call, and one of the first thing he said to me is, there's a shooting happening right down the street from me. I was like, what? And this man happens to live in a town that I love and adore and lived in or around for many, many years, and that is Boulder, Colorado. And he just said, yeah, there's a shooting at the grocery store, uh, King Supers, and... This is a story I've been to more times than I can count. Uh, this is a town I've roamed through for five plus years of my life. And just getting that news really hit me tenderly in my heart. You know, I, at the time I didn't know how many people were affected or injured or killed. And, you know, is anyone I know there? Is anyone that I know injured or killed? And just brought up this feeling of grief, of sadness for the violence in the world and for those who must die and suffer. So I was holding that 
while him and I go into this very logistical two-hour call about income and expenses and um, just holding that feeling of tender grief and prayer in my heart. And the minutes after him and I get off of our call, I get a call from my sister. And I knew in my heart what that call was about. And she called to deliver the news of my, my dear sweet Nana dying this morning for me, last evening for them in America. And, and herein began this day, the same day that I wrote two songs and ended up coming here to record a episode on grief for you all. Herein began this day of rich experience. Herein began this day of mourning of loss, of sadness. And surprisingly, and to me, here and began this day of deep creativity, of movement, of wisdom. And there's something that happens every time I'm reacquainted with grief. As with any relationship, our intimacy transforms. And I end up relating to her and dancing with her in new ways. I become more familiar and therefore more confident in my dance. And my understanding of grief and the loss that naturally comes with her is ever changing and shifting. The fact is that grief is weaved into the fabric of experience. We can't have light without darkness. We can't have expansion without collapse. We can't have joy without pain. We can't have gain without loss, right? We live in this very dual world, this nature, this world of duality at its core and growing up in the west and now living in the east for over a year I have this very interesting perspective on the whole thing living in two entirely different cultures and way of be ways of being you know growing up in the west I sort of learned that death is something to be feared that we want to avoid death at all costs. We want to avoid even getting close to death, right? We live in a culture of anti-aging and wrinkle cream and uh, plastic surgery. It's like, no, 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 we don't want to look like we're getting old. That means we're getting close to death. So how can we move ourselves further away from that point? And, you know, watching my mom in the hospital for those nine days before her death and me and my sisters had to consciously decide to take her off life support, right? The, the default of the medical system where she was housed during that time was to keep her on life support and to sustain her life using machines and um, various different um, medicines and whatnot even though she was completely unconscious and had no 
conscious actions, a quality of life or joy. That was the default. And in order to take her off life support, we had to sort of make this big decision to pull the plug. You know, it was this, this big thing. And at the time it seemed normal because that's the culture I was raised in. And now living here in Indonesia for this past year and meeting all sorts of people from lots of different cultures and, and walks of life on this side of the world, I see this whole new perspective. It's just so interesting. So coming from this world where, I'm gonna get really general here, but where many of us are so afraid of death. We're so afraid of losing people. And we're so afraid of losing chapters we're so afraid of transitioning. You know, this is my home and these are my relationships and this is my job and I just want it all to stay the same, right? Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you're comfy where you are and there's nothing wrong with that. And all I can do is speak from my own experience and share that life is continuously inviting me to grow, to transform, to let go and to open myself and create space for new to come forth to release what's become stagnant and to claim what is now serving my highest good my deepest love and so in order to do that I've had to become very 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 acquainted with and even comfortable with and even grateful to death as a process as a alchemization right I look at myself and often say man I've died and been reborn more times than I can count people who met me a decade ago meet me now and barely recognize me right not because I look that different but because I feel different because I am different And the world we are living in is just always changing and transforming. And we're going to move and transform and expand and grow with that world if we'll allow it. Yeah. One of the most potent memories I have since coming to the East, something that was such a big, stark moment of contemplation and realization for me, is this. You know, both my parents are dead, and I'm fairly young. It's not that common for people of my age to have lost both their parents. And so something I would often experience in the West was this moment where someone would ask, oh, where's your parents? You know, I was kind of an expat. I didn't live in the town I grew up in. So this was kind of common conversation, like, oh, where do your parents live? And I would respond by saying, oh, my parents are both dead or my, both my parents have, have passed. And the response of the other person most commonly was something like instant contraction is what I could feel. And they'd sort of go, Oh, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to ask. Oh, ah, uh, and they would sort of get very uncomfortable and tense and, 
and, you know, respond like, I didn't mean to ask. Like almost what I hear with that is like, I wish I had never asked because this is so uncomfortable and I feel so sorry for you and I don't know what to say. Now, blessed love to all of these humans. There's nothing wrong with them, of course, never. And it's just interesting to observe, right? And I really got used to that when I was living in the West. Like, oh, okay, yeah, death is, again, it's uncomfortable. Nobody wants to touch it or look at it. So, of course, yeah, it's an uncomfortable subject. And eventually I would start to become uncomfortable revealing that. It would be like, oh, where are your parents? And I'm like, um, they're dead? You know, like I would start to contract in anticipation of the other person's contracted response. So it just became this whole experience. Now, fast forward to when I moved to Bali. I've been living in the East. And as many of you know, I've spent almost my entire time here living in the villages with the locals. Um, I've chosen to actually uh, live and immerse myself in the culture with the people of this land. Um, there's a lot of places you can live in Bali and kind of live in an expat community with a lot of other foreigners. Um, but I really wanted to, to absorb and be in this culture. So I've had a lot of really rich experiences in doing that. And something I noticed right away is that when people here ask me that same question, where are your parents or what's up with your parents? And I respond, I say, both my parents are dead. The response I receive is so incredibly different. It's like night and day. Usually it's something like, oh, okay, bless their souls. You know, I wish peace upon their souls. Or, oh, okay, beautiful. I hope that they're always watching over you. Or, um, oh, wow, you have guardian angels. How amazing. You know, so it's just this totally different response where there is no contraction, I sense. There is no discomfort. There's not only this just openness and acceptance of it, but almost like a they see the beauty in it, if that makes sense. It's, it's not this like, oh, no. It's like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, well, how beautiful that you have these guardian angels. So it didn't take me long to begin noticing this when I came here. It's like, oh, this is really different than what I've ever experienced. And so, of course, I started to dig. Um, I'm a curious soul, so I started to ask my local friends and community about this. You know, hey, and I started to share this story. And I started learning a lot of really cool things about the culture out here. And what I can say is sort of an overtone or blanket statement is that here on this side of the world or in the Eastern culture or what I can really speak to is in Bali, Indonesia, which is where I've lived for the last year, their relationship with death is much different. They don't fear death. They don't try and hide death or escape it or um, kind of pretty it up and put like a glo glossy finish on top of it. They view death as a part of life. 
We live and we die. We live and we die, right? You, you go out into the jungle or the forest and you look on the floor and there's thousands of dead leaves, millions of dead leaves coexisting amongst the tree from which it felt that is just bursting with life and leaves and flowers and there's millions of bugs and birds and creatures that live within the tree. So it's this coexisting beautiful thing and you can really see that out here in the way that they live. You know, when, when folks get older, for instance, I saw a lot of this when I, was, uh, when I started the nonprofit here back in March of 2020 and was going on food and supply runs, bringing supplies and food to those in need. And I was so blessed to go to many, many villages um, that were... What, what we would call in the West very underprivileged, though I can't really resonate with that word anymore. Um, well, I take that back. Underprivileged still has some resonance. Um, less fortunate and things like that don't really resonate because of um, just how I've really gotten to know the people that live in these, these villages. Um, but I digress. So I would go and I, I met plenty of people on their deathbed. And these people are living in the home and they're being cared for by their family and their loved ones. And their families are watching them die and they're cleaning their, um, you know, fecal matter, their urine, and they're washing, bathing them from bed if they can't get up. And they're feeding them food and watching their appetite change. And they're, they're there day by day to watch their loved ones come closer to death, Right. And it's so interesting and vastly different than what I've experienced in the West. Like I said, when my mom was dying, she was in the hospital. She was hooked up to so many machines, a breathing apparatus. She almost didn't look human. And I had a very similar experience recently when I hopped on a video call to see my Nana for the last time. Nobody really told me the exact situation and I thought I was going to be speaking to her and then I get on this call and she's completely unconscious and hooked up to all these machines and a breathing apparatus. Her mouth is held open and it's, it's, a really, it's really hard for me to see people like that. It's actually easier for me to know someone died than to see someone like that in such a sort of unnatural state. It looks so painful. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, here I'm meeting people who are right on their deathbed and they're, they're in the home and they're not attached to machines and they're just with their family and they're just doing life until they don't, right? They're, they're living life on earth until they don't. So there's this intimacy with death here where, where people are, you know, in the West, it's more common to send your family to a hospice center or nursing home or the hospital when they get sick. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're trying to give them treatment to prolong their life, right? And I'm not here to say there's anything wrong with that. I know there's many, many miraculous, beautiful stories about people who have had a second chance at life and more time with their loved ones and more time to do good in the world because of Western medicine. So God bless those stories and those people and, and the medicine that was able to give them that chance. 
And I'm just here to share my experience. Another thing that's a tradition here in Bali is that when someone does die in the home, you always know when someone's died in the home because when you're driving by on your scooter or you're walking by, you'll see all of the men of the family outside the home in ceremony gear. It's almost as if they're protecting the home or guarding the home from spirits, from, from beings. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe both. And so I've asked about this and I've learned what happens inside the home. The women of the family, along with the children, doesn't matter if you're three, five, eight, ten years old, the children and the women of the family will actually gather the body and they'll bathe it. They'll bathe the dead, the deceased body, and clean it and prepare it for burial uh, or cremation. Sometimes they bury their dead until they can be cremated because... Uh, cremation ceremonies cost a lot out here and so oftentimes many people of the village will bury their dead and when the, the village or the community has enough people to offset the cost they'll do a group cremation so these children at the age of three four five six are sponge bathing the dead body of their grandmother of their aunt of their uncle of their mom of their dad and it's just this way in which death is weaved into the culture at a young age, right? So it's very, mm, it's unique. Culture by culture, the relationship we have with death. And I grew up in the West and I simply just learned a certain way, which was death is to be feared, to be avoided, to be scared of death. And then when death comes, it's this big, terrible thing, right? And something I learned from my experience of losing my mom, because it, many of you know, if you've heard my story before, I had this really intense year, year and a half after she died, where I was in so much pain and suffering and uh, I could barely get out of bed and often thought about and plotted ways I could take my own life and just felt so much remorse and regret over everything. And from that, what I found is that I was subsiding to this cultural view of death, of loss, and I couldn't get past the story that she shouldn't have died and now she's, you know, she's lost life and everything's lost and there's no gain here and this is the end. This is the end of Marcy Kern and... Um, what I know now is that death is as much of a beginning as it is an ending. And I don't grieve in the same way. I don't grieve with the story that something was taken from me, something was taken from that person. Really, the pain I feel now when I lose somebody or when I'm grieving a, a chapter or a version of myself is... I grieve, I, I miss, I, I'm missing that person, right? I'm missing that chapter. I'm missing that version of self, right? Maybe I'm grieving being able to touch that person or I'm grieving that relationship and the plans we had. But deep down inside, what lies beneath that grief, that, that missing, that sadness, is this trust. 
is this deep, deep inner wisdom knowing that of course there's death, of course there's loss. And when something dies, something else is reborn. When the dead leaves fall on the forest floor, they are broken down and become compost in the soil below. And that compost is recycled into the earth and used as nutrients to then nourish new life, new plants, new trees, new flowers. Right? And so the way in which death is recycled into the cycle of life in nature is the same way in which death is recycled into the cycle of life in humanity. Of course, because we are nature. So death need not be feared. It is but a new chapter. It is not an ending. Right? When one chapter ends, another begins. When something ends, be it a life, a relationship, a job, something else begins. And so you get to feel the sadness and the angst and the anger and the sorrow while simultaneously holding this deep, deep inner knowing that this too can be trusted. Let the grief, let the heartbreak break you open. Allow it to take you deeper, my friends. Trust it. So I'd like to just share a few words of wisdom or tips, if you will, that I've learned from my own experiences with death, with grief, with transformation. And my hope and my prayer is that they will be of service to you. So the first thing I want to just say again, which I've said already on today's recording, is to first and foremost, allow grief to open you. Surrender to the feelings that arise. Let yourself feel the rage, the anger, the sadness, the confusion. Let yourself go all the way in. Let the heartbreak take you deeper. Don't confide to society's expectations or rules about what grief looks like. Grief is not definable. Can't put grief in a box. It's different with every occasion. So I invite you to open to it. Don't try to confide grief to a timeline or a mannerism, which is what I did when my mom died. You know, it was like, after a couple months of grieving her, I started to give myself shame and blame for still being in grief because I thought, well, everyone else has moved on. I should move on. And, you know, I only got one month off of work and now it's no longer acceptable for me to, uh, you know, be upset or sad by this. So I should, I should get over this feeling, right? Allow yourself to feel whatever you need to feel as long as you need to fucking feel it. And trust that as you go into those feelings, you are being drawn into deeper intimacy with the dark-mouthed goddess. 
you are being drawn into deeper feeling and from that place you will be graced with deeper wisdom, deeper transformation, deeper love. Trust, trust, trust your emotions, trust your process, trust your body and allow, allow, allow. Let go of any expectations you have about what this is going to look like. Anytime you're going through loss, grief, heartbreak, right? Whether it's someone died or there's a relationship or a life transition. Maybe you're leaving your job and you're going on a soul journey, backpacking, adventure to Turkey, whatever it is. Allow, allow, allow and remove all expectations of what that's going to look like. If it pleases you, sit down and write out all the expectations you have. I will feel bad about this for X amount of time. I will feel this emotion and this emotion. I should feel clear and ready to date again, or I shouldn't feel sadness after this amount of time, after this many cries. Get them all out on paper and then take that piece of paper and have yourself a witchy little fire ceremony and burn that paper and put it back to the earth and release those expectations and simply allow the process to move through you. <sighs> Become aware if shame starts making its way inward, right? Like I just described, if you have these expectations, you might soon find that you're shaming yourself or others or the process. I shouldn't feel this way. It shouldn't be this way. Right? Become aware of the word shouldn't sneaking into your vocabulary. You are entitled to your process of grief, of shame, of loss. It is your birthright. I want to inform you, or better yet, remind you that you may never feel the same as you did before the loss. You may never be the same person you may never feel the same, and that, my love, is okay. I would almost argue that it's likely you won't feel the same because, again, grief and death is a transformation point so beautiful and rich. And so if you feel the same, it's possible you didn't really open yourself to receive all the medicine that that experience had to offer you. Again, we transform through death, right? When we, when we are born into a uterus and we become a little fetus in the mother's womb, that is life. And on the other side, it's death, right? Wherever we were before that point is dead, is done. That chapter has ended. And now we're born into this woman's body and begin this particular journey of life on earth. So a new start, we're at a new beginning point and at an end point. We're at a death point and at a life point. They exist together. So when a chapter, when a relationship, when a version of you dies, something else is being born. And so it's likely you won't be the same as you were before. And that is okay.
let that be okay. Ask grief, ask loss, ask your pain for the messages it's wanting to deliver to you. Open yourself. Listen, listen for the messages. Ask and listen. Ask, what are you here to teach me? What can I learn from this? How can I heal from this? And then listen. Meditate, sit in silence, walk in nature, whatever you need to do to give yourself space to receive the answers because, my darlings, I promise you, grief is but a messenger. Loss is but a messenger. All of our emotions and our experiences are but messengers, are but turning points, critical apertures of growth, of transformation, of wisdom, of love. And finally, what I'd like to leave you with is don't make your feelings mean more than they are. So often we connect our feelings to a story. What does it mean about us? What does it mean about them? What does it mean about the experience? I'm sad, so they're bad. I'm angry, so they did this. I'm feeling like this, so I must suck. I must not be very strong. I must be unworthy. Whatever the story is, notice if you're attaching stories to your feelings. And just allow your feelings to be. Just allow your emotions, your energy in motion to move through your body. Feel it to completion and allow it to move through you and then feel yourself. Notice your body. Tune in, listen, and absorb the wisdom that is offered to you through that alchemy, that alchemy of feeling. Healing through feeling, yeah? <laughs> there is such potent, 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 potent wisdom and growth available to you through simply feeling. So, my darlings, it is with a tender heart, one who can relate through the lens of experience that I offer you my deepest, deepest love and courage and warmth as you face and embrace whatever loss has come into your world as you courageously bring your guard down and open yourself to the fullness of this experience, as you tenderly surrender and allow grief, heartbreak to wash over you, to fill every crevice of your very being and to bring you deeper. This is where wisdom, clarity, love is born from. This is the path of the sacred feminine. This is the path of the wisdom woman. This is the path of love, of healing, of truth. <sighs> Thank you so much for tuning in to today's transmission. 
and just feeling very tender and in this state of, of real devotion to the dark pockets of experience and really wanting to shed light on the darkness, on the death, on the pain that in some societies and cultures have been painted as the enemy. Um, no, 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 no. It's all a part of this beautiful dance of life. <sighs> so, as always, please share this episode with those who need to hear it. Uh, reach out to me directly. Let me know how this transmission, how this episode impacted you. I always love hearing from you guys. It's, it really fills my heart with so much joy. Um, so you can reach out via email, Instagram, all of those links will be in the show notes. And I'm sending you deep love wherever you are, whatever moment, experience, expression you're in right now on your unique, beautiful healing journey. May we all be blessed and guided on our paths. Aho. <laughs> and I will catch you in the next episode. Namaste.